Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I'm Jason Scores. So here we are in this clusterfuck of a reality in America that, uh, as predicted, keeps getting worse and will keep getting worse until we really defeat the zombies. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the topic of today's episode is Rise of the Zombies Part 2, in that I'm going to give you some of the feedback I received from two of the leading experts in kind of right-wing extremism and the rise of kind of fascism in America. Uh, their responses to my view about kind of this rise of cults and QAnon in America that has really been promulgated by social media and technology. But before I get to their responses just a few moments on the current affairs here you know last week was the first presidential debate quote debate uh that i did not watch thankfully but of course most of you have read about it and not only does trump you know not denounce white supremacy but actually gives a shout out to these right-wing thugs the proud boys and says you know stand stand down or stand back and stand by literally the president of the united states telling right-wing violent racist militias to stand by this is before he you know cast incredible doubt on the election basically saying that it's going to be rigged and mail order mail-in ballots is going to be rigged and so you have the president of the United States just going full on right wing fascism in full view. And, you know, some in the media, some in the, you know, in the op ed pages are denouncing this. But it should just be full stop calling on the president to resign, right? Like this should be, this is a national emergency and it's still. On a few op-ed pages, a few media, but not the full-throated condemnation that would come in a healthy, sane society. And then, of course, it continues. And then Trump, of course, being the fucking raging sociopath super spreader that he is, gets COVID. You know, his wife gets COVID. A bunch of people in the White House. It seems that COVID is just running rampant. In the White House, and then we had this kabuki theater of having to pretend, or at least many people in society, including Obama and Biden and leading Democrats, having to pretend that we hope Trump gets well. I don't have to play that game. I do not hope Trump gets well. I don't give a shit if Trump is suffering and dies. And in fact, if there was justice, that would probably be a good output. Um, and I don't feel at all slightly bad saying that. 
Trump is a monster. He is responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. He orchestrated a white supremacist policy of child separation, of putting kids in cages. No, as a sane, decent, moral human being, I don't feel bad when fascists are suffering. That's a pretty reasonable response. The only reason I actually would like Trump to you know, get over this is so that he can be held accountable and ultimately go to jail for the crimes against humanity that he has done and also the crimes, just you know, the financial crimes and the corruption. So again, I hate this kabuki theater in America where we have to just pretend we care about people we don't care about, that we wish well on people. It's kind of like after a big mass shooting and thoughts and prayers. It's this kind of right-wing performance art and this kind of fantasy that we live in, and which is why America is so bad in the first place, because we just play these games over and over, and they're just so tiring. Um, and I'm going to do a whole episode on that actually after the election with some positive stuff as well, but there's just the lying that we do in this society, the false reality, the myths, the games we play. And then just to make it, you know, a bipartisan clusterfuck, we have Cal Cunningham, who's I've really been impressed with as a really great candidate for Senate in North Carolina. Turns out this fool gets suckered into, you know, doing sexting messaging with a woman that's not his wife. And then she turns him in. So he obviously got played. But I mean, what kind of fucking sociopath are you? That you could be, I mean, Cal Cunningham could be the deciding vote in the Senate, right? And if he loses, we don't know. I think that the Democrats can still get the Senate without him. But he he very well could be. And so if he loses because of this sexting a month or two before the election, you know, think about what that means. I mean, his loss could potentially mean Mitch McConnell retaining the majority And no Supreme Court justices, no judges at all, none of the Democratic agenda, no voting rights, no racial justice, no climate change, because Cal Cunningham couldn't wait a few weeks to sex some crazy mistress of his. I mean, that he's such a sociopath that he couldn't put his dick in his, keep his dick in his pants for a few weeks, a couple months. To just get the Senate seat? You know, again, I don't care what these people do on their own time. I don't care. The President of the United States, you know, was fucking porn stars right after his wife, you know, um, gave birth. So it's like, again, these aren't highly moral things these people are doing. But I ultimately don't give a shit as long as they're doing good policy and representing the public good. And the kind of judgment it takes to engage in this kind of behavior with an election of this magnitude coming up. And here's, you know, what is wrong with these Democrats in North Carolina? I mean, John Edwards was a sociopath too. His wife dying of cancer and he's cheating on her. I just, there's something in the water in North Carolina. I mean, it is just bad. So anyway, that's where we're at. It's been a dark, dark week. And as I predicted, it's just going to keep getting darker. So, um, you know... Do that mental health, whatever you need for your mental health. Um, So anyway, um, that's where we're starting this lovely episode here. But let's get into 
the uh, the responses from these leading experts. And the little caveat I want to just point out here is I really recommend you watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix because it really it doesn't talk about QAnon particularly, um, but it's just about the 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 technology companies and how bad they are. And it's really from a lot of the people who I think, you know, have this mea culpa, right? They're the people who actually created these technologies. And it's more than just Facebook. Facebook absolutely by far is the worst technology company on the planet. It is an evil company to the core. But they talk about Google and YouTube and Twitter and others. And um, it's a really good documentary. And it makes me realize also how many of us drank the social media Kool-Aid, right? Including myself. You know, it was a huge leap of naivete to think that social media was going to be good at bringing people together and bringing the world together. You know, it was grounded in hope and optimism that we thought these technologies would breed goodwill and connection and global unity. But obviously, and I, again, I'm in this fully and I, I own up to it. I just, I and others underestimated the greed and evil of the tech companies and also the fecklessness of the government to regulate them, including under Obama. You know, he was kind of in the beginning years of these companies, so I think he was a little behind the curve and I don't necessarily fault him. But, you know, they saw Russian intervention coming in 2015 and they just did almost nothing. And I want to reiterate how truly evil Mark Zuckerberg is. I mean... He is just one of the most evil individuals on the planet. And I just really urge you to delete both your Facebook and your Instagram accounts. Because, again, Instagram is owned by um, Facebook, right? The, The final part of this kind of little sidebar caveat here is that while... While social media, which again, I think is better called anti-social media, is absolutely amplifying and expanding extremist messages and conspiracy theories, that this technology is only exploiting age-old human weaknesses and biases and prejudices. So I don't want to underestimate how the technology is really, you know, allowing it, uh, uh, you know, people to amplify these and really digging into the really dark parts of our brains. Uh, We have no idea what the world would look like without Facebook and without Twitter and without YouTube, right? But in some ways, I don't think it would be all that much better. And that's a sad testament to this state of humanity, this era. It would definitely be better. You know, in some ways, people say Trump wouldn't even be president without Twitter. and, And there's some potentially some truth to that. But I do think a lot of this, you know, the demographic changes, the secularization, the globalization, the climate change, the racism, right? These are millennia old, and without technology, they would still be around. So anyway, with that now, let me get into the comments that Jason Blazakis made, who is um, the director of the Center on Terrorism, Extremism, and Counterterrorism at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies. He's been on the podcast before, and he will be back on after the election. He's just an incredible scholar and just has a real strong moral compass. He's been writing a bunch in Talking Points Memo. And um, so here's what he said in response to that episode of last week. So he says it goes well beyond the fears that I expressed. That there's actually a huge international scope of the Q phenomenon that is quite astonishing. 
He says that, you know, it's been actually, Q has been spreading in Finland, France, Russia, even Iran. And then it's spreading kind of like the wildfires out here on the California and Pacific coast. Right, it's very hard to gauge the, the saturation rate of QAnon and these other cult conspiracy theories. But he thinks it could be hot, as high as, you know, even 10 or 20% of the kind of internet population, which is just an astonishing number. He hasn't seen good metrics on it, but he thinks these can be really high. It doesn't necessarily mean that 10 or 20% are adherents and followers, but that it's getting through to them. Because what he, a key thing that he's seeing is that, in fact, many people who are believing in QAnon-related stuff without even knowing it, that they're saturating it in this kind of save the children and all these kind of secondary messages that aren't necessarily the full-on believers, but they're really doing a good job of getting it out there to a much wider uh, scope of people than people realize. And again, um, you know, we don't have good metrics on this. The, you know, the Facebooks of the world could probably do this. The Twitters of the world could probably do this. But they're just ultimately not that interested in it. Anything that gets people's attention and clicks and likes and keeps you, you know, scrolling down your Facebook feed, um, that's what they like. And they really don't have any financial incentive. They have a moral incentive if they were decent human beings to shut it down and to work with law enforcement but they're not, right? Again, Sheryl Sandberg, Zuckerberg, these are sociopaths in the mold of a Donald Trump who really don't care. And as long as they can make money on the chaos, they're all in. So that's a lot of negativity there, but also a lot of reality. And this is what this podcast is about, is about reality. And so a slightly different take after the break. Okay, so the next kind of set of responses here come from Jeff Knopf. He's the chair of the Nonproliferation and Terrorism Studies Program, also at the Middlebury Institute, and also a previous podcast guest. He actually thinks there's perhaps something even deeper and more sinister at work going on with this rise of kind of fascist cults that we see, particularly in America. He says I, that I was probably correct about my views on the technology, but that I didn't get the whole story right. That there's something different politically and psychologically going on. And he makes a really key point here. He says that most cults are based solely on the power of the cult leader. Right? They use the cult to have more sex with people, to get more money, to feel more power. But the cult has little to do with the rest of society. And then if we think about it, right, this is true traditionally, right? Most cults are, if anything, isolated 
um, from society and they're in their, you know, their compounds and they have their secret meetings and they're, you know, this is the David Koresh's and the Jim Jones, right? They're not integrated into society. He also points out that the people often who are recruited for cults are lonely, lost, and they lack direction in life, right? Now, this isn't always the case. There was that famous um, Netflix series about the cult up in Oregon and, you know, the crazy stuff that, that went down with that and their interaction with the townspeople and et cetera. I highly recommend watching that. Um, but they, you know, th- those people weren't all kind of lonely, lost people. There were a lot of middle income kind of educated people who really joined up. I think it might be true to say that they lacked some maybe deeper meaning in their life. But again, they weren't your typical kind of, you know, um, really, you know, despondent down and out uh, looking for, you know, looking for someone who's going to pay attention to them. He also points out here that QAnon and their ilk are much more explicitly political, right? Whether there's actually, um, you know, an individual named Q seems unlikely, um, and it seems unlikely that this the people who are at the top are using this, you know, just for personal aggrandizement. Again, you know, to have more sex with women and make more money. This is really about shifting political power to the far right, and he sees this as a much more sinister aim that cults in the past really didn't weren't involved with. That wasn't their their objectives, right? He also thinks that the people who are susceptible to this type are really from a different uh, political profile, that it's much more about them finding ways to rationalize their inexcusable behavior and to avoid the cognitive dissonance, right? So this is for the people who support Trump um, and people like him for, you know, who are racist and who just want to, you know, harm society and harm liberals and really, you know, um, indulge in their extreme greed. Now they have, with a QAnon, they have a rationalization, right? It's actually that the Democrats are trafficking in children and Trump is going to save them. So they have this convenient um, off-ramp so that they don't really have to confront the real deep evil motivations. They have a good, you know, positive motivation that they can kind of just layer on top of their deep kind of fascism and racism. Um, and so, you know, this can again be extended way beyond QAnon, right? It's to people who want to ignore COVID warnings and they go to the bars and they go to motorcycle rallies and comp- Trump campaign events indoors and they can feel good about it because now all of a sudden they realize that, you know, they're not doing something bad, that actually all that is just a, another left-wing hoax, Right. So they think, you know, so what Jeff's view is, in essence, is, is that, you know, conspiracy thinking is only partly a mechanism that explains a lot of what's going on here now, that a lot of individuals are trying to find ways to justify their views in the face of evidence that might otherwise convince them that they're wrong. Um, And so that, you know, someone like Alex Jones, clearly, you know, Infowars, they're just using it to they're using this conspiracy stuff just to sell a lot of garbage products and get famous. And they're more in the typical cult um, mindset. But that these other conspiracy theories are really to create scapegoats and enemies to justify the rise of fascism in America. 
And so now we have right-wing extremists convincing themselves they're acting in self-defense of their way of life rather than committing acts of violent aggression because they hate and want to oppress people who are different than them. And I think this is a really important um, insight that Jeff is offering here, right? I think he's actually correct about this and it really makes a lot of this much more dangerous, right? Because cults probably max out at a relatively small percentage of the population, right? Cults are never going to be, you know, when it's the, the hardcore cults, a couple percentage points of the population. But these right-wing movements have much higher ceilings because they're using conspiracies to justify right-wing political ideologies that are shared by much larger uh, shares of the population. So it's kind of this fusion we see now, which is cult-like thinking and cult-like propaganda, but being fused on to these larger right-wing and often just straight-up Republican Trump-inspired movements. And so in some ways... They are much more sinister and much more evil because they have much greater reach now across society. It's also important to remember that in the QAnon universe, Judgment Day, the actual day that they are hoping that is going to come, is a day when all Democrats are going to get killed and Trump is going to be shown as the savior. Right. So this is really, really scary stuff here. And, um, you know, again, I'm not sure how many of these people will ultimately resort to violence. In some sense, we're probably going to see that, um, you know, in the coming weeks and months. But even if it's a small percentage, it's way too many, right? So it seems like we're now in a situation in America where we have this strange brew of cults and conspiracies and right-wing extremism that is proliferating in new kind of fusions and new hybrids in new contexts and a lot of this we just don't know where it's going to lead but again if even a small percentage of people take this to a a really uh, dire and violent end this could get really ugly and it's it's also just important to remember this is the republicans party's base right and they are promulgating this they are doing very very little um to uh you know to tamp this down Um, So anyway, um, the antidote after the break. Okay, so now to today's antidote. And I do want to bring to your attention uh, an actual bill that was passed in the House of Representatives on October 2nd, which actually with wide bipartisan majorities that actually condemned QAnon and condemned the conspiracy theories surrounding it. Now, it's important to note that 17 Republicans voted no And a couple actually tried to get an amendment passed to label Antifa as kind of, you know, equivalent and to condemn, uh, you know, left wing violence. But that amendment was shot down. 
So it's good to see that a large number of Republicans, even though it should have been unanimous, along with all of the Democrats, um, you know, stepped up to the plate and, and, you know, the highest office of, you know, the land or one of them in the U.S. House of Representatives passed this resolution condemning it. Now, I want to be clear here that this is great and it's good news. And it's also good news that the, the overwhelming majority of Republicans joined in and they're, they're actually recognizing the potential for violence and mayhem that's coming from this and it has that conspiracy theories have no place um, in the U.S., but it's important to note that still the, the major beneficiaries of the QAnon theory are Republicans. The Republicans were the only ones who chose not. Some of them chose not to vote for this resolution. And including the president who said, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but they like me. So that's great. Right. Because he's just such a sociopath that anyone, no matter how criminally insane, who likes him, you know, is a win for him. Um, but I do want to point this out because this podcast is in the reality-based community. And so the Republicans who voted yes on this resolution deserve credit for that. You know, it's a low bar these days. But, you know, for, for getting credit to just denounce a crazy, violent conspiracy theory. But we'll take it because we need all the help we can get. And so, again, on October 2nd, the House passed overwhelmingly a bill denouncing QAnon and related conspiracy theories. Now on to the antidote. I put an article in the show description from The Guardian about how to deal with family or friends who are in a conspiracy cult. It has some really good advice and so I really recommend reading it because you would be surprised given the proliferation of these cults it is very likely that someone in your um, your extended family some one of your work colleagues or a friend of yours from high school or college that somebody you know and that you might come in contact with is inherent, if not, you know, stridently, at least loosely, of one of these um, cults, Q or other. And it's just good to read that article so you're prepared to be able to talk to them in a constructive way to help maybe diminish their adherence to these dangerous ideologies. But the main thing that we need to do um, is to defeat the right wing in America. So it's the same antidote that I keep coming back to. It's four weeks to the election. Donate, make calls, make texts, volunteers to be a poll worker, right? Do what you can to save American democracy. And this is important, particularly important um, to get the Senate. So now that we have, you know, Cal Cunningham being a freaking moron and perhaps costing us the Senate seat in North Carolina, it's more important that we win it in Montana, in Georgia, in perhaps Iowa, in perhaps Kentucky against Mitch McConnell, which would be the crown glory if we could knock him out. But also in South Carolina, we have a chance to knock out Lindsey Graham, again, one of the worst right-wing trolls of the century. So let's work hard to make sure that even if Cal Cunningham blows it, we can still get the Senate majority to build true democracy uh, in America. So with that, everybody, sorry that this was just such a downer of an episode, but that's where we are. We really see the, the zombies on the rise in America and sadly in other parts of the world. And uh, I hope to do a number of inspiring, uplifting podcasts once we defeat these right-wing fascists in November and are on the path to rebuilding American democracy 
and strengthening society. I do not like talking about negative things, but I want to talk about reality. And unfortunately, reality is pretty dark these days. So with that, everybody, I hope you enjoy your rest of your week. I hope you really do step up and help the Democrats win big next month. Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, everybody, I hope you're well. Take care.